be patient with things. Um, you don't always have to take the first offer that comes up. You don't always have to make snap decisions. Um, you know, knee-jerk reactions have no defenses. And if you don't have a defense mechanism up to really protect your, your long-term play, you end up making short-term decisions. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, I state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK, a.k.a. Billionaire in this mug. Man, just got off doing an awesome interview. I don't want to spoil it just yet. Wow, uh, it was fire. And uh, so get ready. Get ready to change your life. Again, this show, you're going to learn how to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Learn how to think like a millionaire. Guys, like I'm telling you, it's a life-changing podcast. And if you haven't yet, make sure you guys subscribe. Follow me on Spotify, Pandora, uh, and I, that's for my music, actually, too. Uh, I, I'm on Apple, whether it's the podcast section or the music section. And if anything, if you don't do any of those, f- subscribe to my YouTube channel, Billy the Kid, D-H-A-K-I-D-D. I post vlogs, podcast music, everything that I got going on. Stay in contact. Hit me up. Let me know. Give me feedback. Uh, and please leave us a review anywhere you're listening. Uh, this thing is just... Uh, taking off and shout out to all of you guys listening. I truly appreciate it. And uh, I just want to real quick let you guys know the power of being uncomfortable is out everywhere. The audible version is out everywhere. I'm a musician, so you already know that I did something different with the audio audible version with the audio version. So please go listen to it there or anywhere uh, audiobooks are available. And if you want an autographed copy, BillyTheKid.com. If you don't want an autographed copy, shame on you. You could go to Amazon. You could go to Barnes & Noble or anywhere else books are available. Grab a copy. Uh, it is a life-changing book. That, that's how we're doing it, man. Uh, you know, we, I've been thinking lately. It's just crazy. Uh, everything you do, do it big, right? Like, go, go out there and, and just do it the best that you can. Do it as big as you can, right? Like, if you're going to... Buy a car, buy the best car you could get. If you're going to get a house, do the same. And guys, there's levels. Don't get me wrong. Also, don't go overboard with this uh, this tip that I'm giving you, this advice. But what I'm saying is do it as big as you can, guys, because from there, you're going to grow to the next step, the next level of your life. So always do it big. Whatever it is that you're doing, eat at the best restaurants, get the best house, get the best car. It, literally it, with your kids wife like if you're single take the best trips do it up do it up trust me do it the biggest that you can and that is how you level up to the next level um anything get the best shoes get the best shirt uh the best tv i don't know just every and i, I wouldn't recommend tv so much unless you're watching the million dollar hustle podcast but uh if you're gonna get a tv get the biggest tv out there uh, if you get pets, get the best pets, right? Like full breeds, like just do the best that you can in life. Uh, and that is how you level up to the next level. And the episode that we're doing today, guys, is no different. Uh, you're going to hear this man over and over how he's just crushing it from hanging out with Grant Cardone. We talked about that. Uh, and he actually works for Cody, with clever investors, guys, and those of you who don't know, do your research because uh, Cody, 
he's just killing it and he's if those of you who don't know he's that guy with that ad right that we all know where he's just showing up with a big old check to chase bank uh uh, I hope Chase Bank paid him up because uh, Cody w- killed it with those ads. But uh, Forrest Blackburn, guys, that's who we have on the podcast today. And wow, uh, shout out to him, man. He dropped so many gems today. This was, again, another life-changing episode. And if you're ready to level up, guys, this is the podcast where you want to be because today's episode, I mean... This dude started at 19 with his first flip. And so just imagine how much he's done since. If he started that young and, um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, shout out to him. But when I asked that question, what would be the best piece of advice at the end of the show that we ask every guest? Uh, what's the best piece of advice you would give your younger self? Uh, it's just crazy to think how how young he was from the beginning. And and uh, he had some great advice. And throughout the, the podcast, that's all you're going to hear. So uh great episode uh before we jump in uh if you need any lending please hit me up uh shout out to all the mastermind the whole squad uh the get uncomfortable mastermind every individual is killing it if you're ready to level up guys uh we're we're getting pretty full but i'm gonna just hit me up info at billythekid.com if you're interested shoot us your story what you got going on, where are you heading, and if we like the story and you're, we think you're a good fit for the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, we're going to let you in. As of right now, I am doing one-on-one coaching. I don't know how long that's going to be for, so don't let it slip. Info, I believe, the kid.com to get some information. But with no further ado, man, I- I'm just ready. I'm ready to jump in. Here is Forrest Blackburn. Let's get it. Vamanos. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think how to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. And again, guys, when I say think like a millionaire, you have to become that seven-figure earner. And today, I am excited because our guest knows a little something about that. Forrest, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Good, good. Uh, I'm I'm excited, man. Uh, we were just talking off uh, off the recording a little bit. Uh, you you have quite a resume, man. Uh, so real quick, uh, if we just dive in, um, yeah. if you could let our listeners know where are you from and uh, kind of how you got to where you're at uh, sure. now, uh, where were you born yeah. and all that good stuff. All of the whole story. All right, cool. Well, um, I'm born and raised in Southern California in San Diego. Um, and uh, spent most of my life uh, up until very recently in Southern California, um, San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles. I went to Pepperdine uh, University in Malibu, um, and um, I was an actor when I was a kid, and I did music when I was a kid, and uh, uh, when I was 19, I would saved up some money, and that's when I bought my first flip, uh, my first property. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to pay cash for that, and um, I think I bought it for about 215000 and put about 45000 into it and then uh, sold that and did a 1031 exchange, which is an exchange into another property, uh, condominium in Orange County, and made some money on that. And then I took all of that money and I put it into a brand new, beautiful record label that failed. So I had to start all over from there, but I became a full-time musician um, and uh, I was signed to Capitol Records and toured around and was fortunate enough to get radio play and, and have a lot of fun. And that was all in my twenties. Um, that kind of turned into work um, and there was lawsuits happening. And so I started doing marketing for, for Capitol records and then moved over to do marketing uh, for Paramount pictures. And then I got a phone call from the UFC 
uh, out in Vegas and they wanted me to come be their music supervisor. So I went out there and I was out in Vegas for about a year. Um, and I was in charge of all the music for all their fights and all their documentaries and their TV shows. And because I was 100% in charge and it was all my decision, I licensed all my own music. And it was the smartest thing that I ever did. And uh, it's mailbox money every quarter and it still keeps rolling. So that's that's pretty fortunate. But um, when I was at Paramount, a lot of our budget allocations um, were being shifted over to digital marketing, Google. Uh, Facebook had just come out. Um, I was having the MySpace days previous to that. Um, and uh, so I really wanted to get into you know what that looked like. So moved back from Vegas and, and got into digital marketing and uh, worked with a company for a while to kind of learn how it worked and then started up my own company with seven reps and um, grew that over the course of about eight years to 1,500 reps nationwide and 17 franchises, resellers that would resell the brand under a label that I would give them um, and uh, kind of turned it into a monster. And from there, I started doing private consulting with Fortune 100s and 500s on scaling. Um, so it's always been scaling on the sales side and on the marketing side um, to generate more cash flow, more revenue. Um, and then I got a phone call from uh, HGTV and uh, notably Flipper Flop and Tarek El Musa to come in and, and build their company, Tarek Buys Houses, and uh, grew that for about two years. And that's what really took me out of working with multiple niches and just working in real estate, which had been something that I'm fourth generation real estate. So my dad was a commercial realtor, commercial broker, developer, and so was his dad and his dad. And um, so it's always been in my blood. I've been out looking at properties since I was a kid. Um, so really focusing on scaling these, these brands behind the TV shows so they would have content got me into understanding the investment side and um, started growing my personal portfolio. And um, when, I, when I left working with Tarek, um, I'd done some deals with a gentleman by the name of Cody Sperber, a.k.a. The Clever Investor. And when I was, became a free agent, uh, he said, come help me build my company. So I've been working there as well as I'm a coach and a mentor. And I work with um, about three dozen different companies right now, uh, helping them scale their businesses. And this is everybody from people that are, that are doing, you know, four to $500,000 a month uh, down to the folks that, um, you know, are just lucky enough to, to make $100,000 a year doing it and want to turn that into an actual business. And um, my focus is always, you know, chewing the fat, figuring out where the vampires are in your credit card statements, figuring out how to be more efficient, um, putting better, you know, uh, uh, operating procedures in place and processes and systems and really building ecosystems um, so that you can build on those people and, and, and grow your company. But it's all about cutting corners and making sure that those corners are things that make you more money. Uh, most of them are, are financial hurts that, that are very easily identifiable. Um, but uh, yeah, that brings me to where I'm at today, working on these multi-billion dollar portfolio deals and still wholesale. Um, but I'm able to be around a lot of very high level people and high network, uh, high net wealth individuals and learn from them. And that's, it's, it's a lot of fun on the daily for sure. Woo, man. Uh, quite a resume. I, I like got so many questions. <laughs> There's um, been a lot of chapters for sure. That's, that's true. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny. Uh, the first question that I had was how did you at 19 years old, uh, like, you said you had cash like to buy that yeah. first flip. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of how that came about? Cause that at that age, man, that's uh, I, I think everybody listening, myself included, like I wish I would have done it then. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I, it was just, it was because I was an actor as a kid and, and, you know, I did, uh, I did some TV and some commercials. I did a lot of theater when I was a kid, national theater, theater in New York, theater in Seattle, um, theater in LA, 
national tours. And it's just, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, um, things aren't that expensive. You don't have expensive taste. Um, mom and dad are still, you know, running the household and, and, you know, putting the food on the table. So it was easy for me to accumulate that money. And, and, um, you know, I, I always knew that, um, from a very early age, you know, it takes money to make money. So I wanted to make sure that I could accumulate money so that I could do something with it. Going back in time, you know, I wish looking at that first property that I, that I purchased when I was 19 in Burbank, California, I purchased it for 215. I sold it for 385. I looked it up a few months back and, and it's, it's worth over a million dollars now. So, wow. um, definitely want to kick myself for that. But, um, you know, I didn't know then what I know now. Um, there was no short-term rental market back then. There was no such thing as Airbnb. I would have held those properties. I would have, I would have held those, built up the equity, had the cash flow. But, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, knowing now I can reflect on all of those things that I went through and apply what I know now to that and really turn those things into, you know, more learning experiences. And um, it helps me pivot through business a lot more now. But um, it was just, you know, accumulating my money and not blowing it. You know, so many times, you know, even in wholesale, a lot of the, the students that I work with, you know, they'll make, you know, 60, 80, $100,000 on a, on a deal. And they want to go out and buy CDs. They want to go out and buy a Lambo. They want to go out and buy, you know, whatever, a, a diamond watch. Um, and that's not going to make you money unless you're doing YouTube videos. And, you know, you can you can build an audience based on your on your bling. Um, but um, for me, it's it's. You know, if you're if you're an investor, or you call yourself an investor and you've got a bunch of cash sitting in your account, you're not truly an investor. So for me, I'm constantly taking money and putting it into assets and putting it wow. into properties. Um, and that. that that makes me run faster. Right. I can't look at my account and be like, oh, my gosh, I got millions of dollars in there. Um, you know, I it, it motivates me to continue to, to keep my foot on the gas pedal and um, and buy more properties that, that, you know, will make, you know, wealth generating opportunities over the years that you know, we'll take care of my kids. And that's always my biggest motivator. Wow. Uh, that, that was amazing. The, the whole cash thing is so true. Uh, I had, uh, a, a few episodes back. Um, somebody did say the same thing, like, you know, they, they had this million dollars in their head and they finally got it. And they even said it They're like, well, which looking back now, it's kind of stupid seeing it in the bank. Uh, so yeah. I love that you said like just reinvesting, uh, just recycling the, the capital. I, I love that. It's something that I definitely, strive for myself like anytime there's cash in there i'm like nope let's go and which is yeah. easy to get rid of too with real estate <laughs> oh no ab absolutely it is i mean you know clearly you know you have to make sure that you're 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 buying the right deals and you're vetting them properly for me it's all about cash flow so um i have a i have a pretty decent um short-term rental portfolio and i'm constantly building that as a matter of fact i uh i i bought a property on friday and i'm buying another property this morning i'm just waiting to hear back uh, on the realtor and um, I do a lot of things on sub two. So if uh, for those of you out there who don't know what sub two necessarily is, we don't necessarily have to go into it here, but you can see a lot of courses that Pace Morby puts out. Um, uh, awesome, awesome guy. Very, very genuine guy. And he always shoots straight. So um, um, where I think the property last week, I put down $51,000 on a $600,000 house. This is not bank finance. There's no credit involved. There's nothing like that. You just put down the down payment that you work out. And then I've got monthly payments of 1600 bucks a month for seven years. Um, and then at that seven years, I can either sell the property and pay off that balloon payment or get a loan and pay off that balloon payment. But it's going to cash flow me about $56,000 a year net operating uh, mm. uh, income. So uh, and then the one today um, that I'm picking up is only costing me 15000 bucks, And it's a it's a $500,000 property. And that's going to cash flow me another $48,000 
uh, a year net. So, you know, these are low hanging fruit things that you can find out there. You just mm -hmm. have to be willing to look, you have to be willing to negotiate and you got to know what you're talking about to be able to get these things locked up, but you can grow a portfolio. Um, I mean, two houses, right. In a week um, for basically 65,000 bucks. And that is far less than the 20% down payment that you would have to do on a traditional finance to buy either one of them. So, you know, it's, it's, there's ways to get this done and, and ways to grow it. But for me, it's always deploying capital into something that's going to create a cash flow um, and, and build equity and build long-term wealth. Since you're huge on sales, uh, what do you think, what would be the key to make customers agree to the sub two? Uh, and, and especially those that have no idea, like, obviously you got to educate them on what it is, but what do you think is like the big, the biggest tip you could give somebody to, for, for the customer or the client to say yes? Well, you said one key word there and educate, um, so much, <clears throat> pardon me, so much of the sales process is education. Um, you know, most of the sellers that you're talking to, even if they're a landlord, don't really know much about real estate, except for that they slept in a house last night. Mm -hmm. So educating them on where the market is, educating them on, you know, for sub two, I have explainer videos. I have cartoon videos that I've created. So these are very simple. They're very friendly. Um, and it really walks through the process in a very non-aggressive, you know, very passive kind of way um, to let them know that this is something that's done widely um, and that there's that there's nothing nefarious about it, that this is a very legal buttoned up process. Um, there's a lot of contracts in place. The biggest thing that I find that sellers are apprehensive to on, say, a sub two agreement with sub two, you're keeping the debt instrument in place. So their loan stays in place. Um, and the only reason for that is most of these folks, or at least the good deals that you want to go after, have very low interest rates. And right now we're, we're looking at diving into almost seven and a half percent interest that's coming down the barrel very shortly. Um, if I can find somebody who has a, a loan on their property at two and a half percent or even three percent um, as an investor, I don't want to lose that that three or four percent trying to go to the bank to get a loan to pay off their loan. The only person that makes money there is the bank. So explaining to them that by keeping that debt instrument in place, there's more value. I can offer them more value for the property if they keep that debt instrument in place. And the apprehension that the seller has is, well, how am I going to go get another loan if I have this existing loan in place? Well, there's a lot of folks out there that have car loans, that have boats, that have second homes. They're they're easy to get those loans as long as your debt to income uh, ratio looks good to the bank. In a sub two agreement, you have a third party agreement. It's a contract to service that debt, to service that that monthly payment. So in effect, when a creditor looks at uh, the, the seller's um, debt to income ratio on a new loan, it becomes a moot point because they realize that that's not really a debt that their income has to service. It's being serviced by a third party in a long-term contract. Um, and additionally, the seller, the seller wins no matter what in that scenario. If I follow through, I give them a down payment. So let's take the house that I got on Friday. If I give them the $50,000, that's their down payment and theirs to keep. The $1,600 a month that I'm going to pay to them is going to go on for at least seven years. Let's say in year four and the capital improvements that I do to the property, right? If I, if I add and make an addition or if I put in marble flooring or God knows whatever, um, let's say in year four, I default on those payments for 90 days. Um, you know, something happens, the world falls apart. They're able to take that property back and foreclose on it because they're in, they're, they're in position to do so. Um, they get that 50 grand they've already kept. All those $1,600 payments that I've made to them monthly, they get to keep. The capital improvements on the property, they get to keep. So they win really big. It's kind of like a lot of the used car dealers where they, um, they'll finance anybody and they do a really high interest rate. And really their business model is that they hope that you're actually going to default on that 
that car loan in three mm. or six months so that they can go resell the car again and again and again and just keep doing yeah. that whole model. So from a seller standpoint, if I were to default on that, they win. But if I stick to my contract, they still win. And the nice part about that is, is I'm not giving them $600,000 in a lump sum that's going to put them into a whole different tax bracket come next tax season where they're going to have to pay an ungodly amount. They're only paying, they're only seeing that $50,000. They're seeing $1,600 a month. And in seven years from now, I will have eaten into the overall, what's, you know, 600 minus 50 is 550. I will have eaten into that 550 over seven years. So the amount of money I pay out to them on a balloon is going to be smaller. So again, it's, it's, it just makes a lot of sense from a tax perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of things with sub two and seller finance. Um, There's another thing called a wrap. Uh, very similar to sub two and sub two, you're paying the debt instrument, one payment, and you're paying the seller on their equity payment. A wrap is all the way around. And typically you're paying the seller the entire amount and the seller is left up to pay their note uh, directly to the bank. But banks don't care who's paying their payment as long as the payment is being made. And as long as if Cindy stays on her loan and the payments are being made, the, the, the bank really doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bat an eyelash in some instances, in some situations like VA loans and, and, uh, and, and FHA, sometimes if they, if they don't like that, they can call the note due. So there's a little bit of delicacy there, but everything's done, um, you know, with very, very strict legal contracts and everybody's held accountable. Um, and it just makes for, for a good situation to, to, to grow your wealth by helping somebody out of their property and helping them avoid a huge tax bill at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Love it. And, uh, uh, one question that I have too, from earlier, you mentioned uh, your dad was a realtor, commercial, and he was already. If you had to put like a list of five things you learned from your dad, because I'm assuming for you to jump at 19 years old and do that flip, I'm sure uh, you had some education from your dad. What were like five things you learned from your dad? Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com, and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you can go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible, and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy, and I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. Um, You know, I learned the word relentless from my dad. Um, unfortunately I lost my dad about six months ago and he was really mm-hmm. my compass. He was, you know, he was my mentor Sorry, and everything. Um, yeah, it was, it was a tough blow. It was a massive heart attack in the middle of the night. I was on the road, uh, traveling and I got a phone call at my Airbnb and there was a sheriff on the other line and it was really hard, uh, to go through. But, um, you know, my dad had a lot of tenacity and the word relentless is something that he taught me. And, and you just got to keep your foot on the gas pedal, like a cinder block. And, um, You know, so he was constantly even, you know, I remember as I was a kid, you know, real estate went through ups and downs. Um, Everything was was really flourishing when when Reagan was president. And then when he left office, the real estate market really kind of took a really serious turn. And, you know, that and and we went from feast to famine, you know, for for a number of years there where it was very difficult um, to to, you know, get by and having a certain lifestyle instilled in you from from birth, let's just say. Uh, until all of a sudden now you're a budding teenager and the ground's kind of pulled out from underneath you. And um, there was a lot of hills and valleys there. And that really deterred me from, you know, getting into real estate because I saw what that did to 
you know, my, my parents' relationship. I saw what that did to, you know, our life. But again, my dad was absolutely relentless and he just kept plugging away. And, um, you know, he, he got involved in, in different facets of real estate. He was doing ground leases and doing anything that, that made sense to, to put money on the table. And he always prevailed. Um, so that's the biggest thing. The other thing was boundaries. So being in real estate, being a, an agent or a broker, you really end up being a middleman negotiating out contracts. The seller says one thing, you take that to the buyer. Buyer says one thing, you take it back to the seller. You're going through all these contracts. Um, and my dad, this is back long before computers, right? So my dad had a stamp, a rubber stamp that said wrong on it. And when a contract would come into him and there was too many things that were just not fair, not, not, not prudent. He would just take this wrong stamp and stamp it on each page and then wow. mail the contract back to them. And, you know, it's having those kind of ironclad boundaries and, you know, um, making sure that you're stern in those boundaries. It's not only respectable, but it really stops the bickering. It stops the back and forth and it makes things more efficient. So, um, and you know, that's the next thing is, is, is efficiency. Um, my, my dad had uh, a decent sized real estate brokerage in San Diego and it was all commercial and he had developers that worked with him and everything, but he would delegate out. And that's what really made, you know, his efficiencies, you know, go up and, and made things really kind of hit a, a, an amazing peak that turned into a plateau, uh, for a lot of years. And, um, um, you know, that's something that, that I've always known about. Um, but for me, I guess the term control freak is a little harsh, but I'm of the adage, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. So I end right. up spreading myself too thin and taking on too many things because I know that I can get them to the finish line. I can trust that I can get them to the finish line. Um, so I've had to kind of, you know, swallow my own pill and uh, remember that, you know, delegation is, is really where it's at. So really over the last, you know, 18 months, 24 months, um, is really when I started doing a lot of delegation and, you know, you and I were only a hundred percent human. And if we have one task that we're designating that hundred percent to, then that task is rewarded with a hundred percent focus and it's going to, it's going to get done. But if we're mm -hmm. trying to do five different things, we're now split up, splitting everything up and the best that everything can get is 20%, 20%, 20%. if you're expecting a hundred percent goal, it's really hard to get to a quality goal, which is 20% focus. So by wow. bringing in the right amount of people and delegating out to those people that can give each specific task 100% focus, you end up moving faster. Everything's done with better quality. Um, and everything has that laser focus that's required of every task that's integral. So delegation, efficiency, being relentless, um, those are those are really the top of mind things that come come that uh, I learned from my dad. And, and, wow. and I guess another one would be just constantly learning, you know, constantly surrounding yourself with people that know more than, than you do. When I was an actor as a kid, I had a talent manager and she said, never join an acting class where you're the best one because you're going to learn the least. Um, and so I'm continually striving to surround myself with people that are much higher level than myself um, so that I can learn from them. And I don't ask them, hey, so how did you get your first island? How did you get your first Lambo? Um, I want to know really, you know, what were the biggest mistakes that and hurdles um, and what are your daily current, you know, hurdles and, and mistakes and, and how do you overcome those? Because for me, you know, we, we celebrate our wins and we learn from our losses and I want to learn from everybody else's losses and, um, you know, and, and, and take that and be able to run faster, stay away from costly mistakes and, 
that, that's what I end up turning and rolling into my students and, and my coaching is, you know, really how to stay away from those financial speed bumps that can really trip you up. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, Forrest, uh, I couldn't help but wanted to ask you, what's like one hump that you're facing right now? Like what what's one, uh, uh, we'll call it lesson, right? That struggle that you're going through. Uh, and I'll give you an example, like we're getting ready to land in Florida myself and and stuff like that, you know, and shout out to to the investor doing it. Um, and, and so obviously it's out of the comfort zone, right? Like I wrote a book called The Power of Being Uncomfortable. So I would like to hear what, like, what, what are you dealing with right now? I, and those of you who are listening, unfortunately, it doesn't get easier, right? Like uh, we're just dealing with bigger numbers. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, it should never get easier. If it gets easy, then you're going to get complacent. And I love, I love mm. your book. Um, because I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, if you're in your comfort zone, you're not pushing yourself. It's when we step outside of our comfort zone that things get real. So many people come to me that are just getting started in wholesale. They've done a few deals. Um, they've made some money. And now, you know, they, they it's time for them to really get into a company, but they're still in a W-2 working for another job. And they're afraid, they're fearful of stepping out of that comfort. Um, but when you step out of that comfort zone, that's when your ass is to the fire. That's when accountability comes into play. And that's when you really grow as a human being, as, as an entrepreneur, um, and, you know, taking risks and, you know, risks can be a scary thing, but we have to learn fast. It's like very easily equatable to jumping into the deep end of the pool, taking those water wings off and jumping in. You have to swim or you die. Mm. You've got to stay above water. And, um, you know, so I'm constantly pushing myself into new asset classes, into new things. I'm working on, um, you know, multi-billion dollar portfolio deals right now, working with people that have $200 billion in their fund to deploy. The stories and the, and the amount of rubbing elbows and the knowledge that I get from that is, is really, you know, unparalleled. But mm-hmm. there's always going to be things that we go through that, you know, are either, you know, frustrating or, you know, I always say sometimes we work really hard in sales for a little bit of money. And sometimes we don't really have to work at all. And we get a huge chunk of change dropped in our lap. And then there's mm-hmm. that middle area. Um, I, uh, I'm working on a deal right now, actually, that uh, is going to be closing on uh, March 31st. And it's in Naples, Florida. Um, and uh, Oh, wow. Nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a sweet deal. It's a sub two deal. Um, and uh, the buyers already put in all their EMD and everything's hard and ready to go. But um, the, the seller uh, requires a lot of handholding and is asking the same questions over and over again. And, um, you know, even though the answers are there, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of handholding and it takes up probably 30 minutes of my day every day. And then on the buy side, they have a transaction coordination team that um, is equally frustrating because they have so many cooks in their kitchen. They have a multitude of people in their office and, you know, one doesn't know that the other one got the answer and they didn't table that answer. So they're asking the question over and over again. And I've got email threads as long as my legs um, that <laughs> are, you know, a lot of back and forth. Um, that'll be one hundred eighty five thousand dollar assignment fee. So, you know, it, it's 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 a good chunk of cheese at the end. But this deal specifically, I mean, I've had deals close effortless, effortlessly for a quarter million dollar assignment fee in Southern California. You know, there's a lot of big spreads in SoCal. Um, you know, I always say, I don't know who said it, but I love it. The bigger the cookie, the bigger the crumb. Um, mm. So I, I like to work on big deals um, because it, it generates, you know, a sizable income. But in any deal, it's always susceptible to hitting speed bumps or, or being frustrating. Um, you just got to keep your eye on the prize and have enough going on on your schedule to the point where you don't get complacent. I'm a procrastinator by nature. So if I don't have things back to back to back 
I mean, I literally just hopped off another podcast to sit down and have this conversation with you. If I don't have things back to back, then I get complacent. Um, mm. So for me to be able to continually move forward all the time, I have to have an absolutely full schedule, full plate, whether that's meetings, whether that's podcasts or speaking events or you know talking to sellers or talking to buyers or talking with transaction coordinators, whatever it is, I stay as busy as possible because it pushes me. And, um, you know, it keeps me outside that comfort zone because I'm constantly getting another notification that I've got another appointment to do another thing. And because I'm so busy, I don't necessarily have the time to do the homework on, on what that next thing is. So I'm continually jumping into the deep end of the pool with a new conversation and it's sink or swim, dude. So, you know, it's, it's, we just gotta, we just gotta constantly keep fighting and, and constantly keep pushing forward and staying as busy as possible with as many high, high level things as you can, um, and eliminating a lot of the noise on some of the low level stuff. Um, mm. that's a big thing too. Wow. Love it. And, uh, I asked that towards the end, but since we're in the subject right now with the power of being uncomfortable and, you know, we have uncomfortable conversations in this podcast, uh, because I think that's where growth happens. Right. And so with yeah. that being said, with the power of being uncomfortable, what is one way that you got uncomfortable that paid off? And obviously I keep hearing it over and over in your story, but if you had to pinpoint that one time that got you to where you're at, because I feel like Everybody has those little moments, right? That as of right now, you never know. Like even this podcast alone, somebody listening, you, I, like this could be a moment that we're going to go back to and remember 10 years from now, right? So what is one moment? Yeah. And it could be recent or uh, in the past. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it, there's, there's, we take a lot of risk as entrepreneurs. Um, and, um, you know, those, those risks are always scary. You know, usually I, I do my best to vet the exit strategy and look at everything from all angles. You know, what are the A, B and C of winning on this? What are the A, B and C of losing on this? Um, and, you know, always preparing yourself for the worst um, so that you have to fight harder um, and then achieving the best. And again, like my dad said, being relentless in, in your pursuit to always, you know, get that goal achieved and, and knock it off uh, of your list. But, but um, you know, just walking into certain conversations with, I was last month, uh, Cody Sperber and I were out in uh, Miami with Grant Cardone. We were filming a podcast with Grant and, you know, we all know who Grant Cardone is. He's, you know, Mr. 10 X and, and, you know, he's, he's really a beast when it comes to buy and hold and, and, and real estate. And he has an amazing infrastructure and, you know, I'm not one that necessarily gets intimidated, right? I've been around a lot of people. I've, I've, I've met, crazy, you know, legendary celebrities and had conversations with them, but something about going in and, and meeting Grant Cardone for the first time and spending a couple of days with him and going to lunch and things, um, you know, there, there was an, an, a certain intimidation factor as to, well, gosh, you know, I hope I can sit at the same table, you know, and have the, have a conversation. And um, again, it's deep end of the pool. It's sink or swim. And, you know, uh, we, we became buddies and, you know, we're Instagram buddies and we DM each other back and forth, little quips, um, send him some dad jokes every once in a while. Um, Love it. But, um, you know, that that was, you know, that was something that, that I had to take myself out of my comfortability zone. Um, Love it. But really, when when I was, you know, I was born and raised in Southern California um, and, you know, working with uh, Tariko Musa and the Flipper Flop crew um, in, in Orange County, it was an hour drive to get to to get to work. Um, you know, and, and be there for the team every day and, and really dive in and be laser focused on the company. But really anywhere in Southern California takes you an hour to get there, just depending on traffic. Yeah. But um, still, it was only an hour. Um, and uh, um, when I left that position and was then faced with the opportunity, 
um, to come out to Phoenix, Arizona and work with Cody Sperber. Um, that was a big, that was a big challenge. That was a big decision that I had to take on because I knew that I wasn't going to be driving home to have dinner with my kids every night. I knew uh, that I was wow. going to be staying in, in all these Airbnbs out here in Phoenix when I, when I'm working, I knew that it was going to take me away from my family. And, um, you know, that was a big challenge on, on me figuring out if that was the right move to make. And I had to look at the long-term learning experience. I had to look at the long-term wealth building opportunities that that learning experience would springboard me into. And, um, you know, my kids and I, we FaceTime every day, multiple times a day. Um, and I'm in town. It used to be more frequently than it is now. Uh, things have picked up a lot and, and, I'm, and I'm extremely busy with speaking events and, and podcasts and meetings and coaching and mentoring and um you know, it's created a challenge as far as how often I'm actually in town. Um, so, you know, my kid's mom, they, she takes amazing care of them. And um, I uh, I go into town and, and I'm there probably now. It used to be every other week. And now it's it, last month. It was uh, three weeks ago. I, I was home and and that had been five weeks. And now I probably won't be back for six weeks. But, you know, with technology and FaceTime and all this stuff, it, it enables us to stay close and I know everything that's going on and I get pictures and I get uh, voice clips and um, it keeps us, you know, close. But that personal interaction um, was something that I had to decide if it was going to be a worthwhile sacrifice in order to build legacy wealth for mm. my family and for my kids. And when I was a kid and my dad went through the hills and valleys of making millions of dollars to making zero dollars um, and then rising back up out of the flames from that. Um, there was a lot of feast and famine there. And that's one thing that, that I don't want my kids to go through that, that I went through. Um, and my dad was very busy and, you know, I gave you kind of the bullet points on what I learned from my dad, but I could have learned a lot more. Um, you know, the, the business side of things and things like that. Uh, those were conversations my dad and I never had. And I have those with my seven-year-old and my nine-year-old almost every day. Mm. And, you know, my nine-year-old's idol is Elon Musk. Um, you Love know, he it. wants to be a CEO someday and, you know, he calls him Elon because apparently, you know, they're, they're super tight. Um, and, uh, I talked to him and goes, Hey, did you hear what Elon did with Twitter? And I'm like, no, bro, what happened? Tell me today. You know, um, that's, so, awesome. you know, that's, that's a lot of fun, but I, I, I want to make sure that they have that, that financial, not just a cushion, but a financial springboard and the business chops, um, and acumen behind that to be able to know what to do with when, you know, dad gives them at 18 or at 21, an endowment to be, a, uh, to be deployed into a business and not just go fuck off. Pardon me. Not just go mess off with that money. Oh, um, you're good. <laughs> and, and blow it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the biggest thing. And, 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 you know, fast cash is, is an easy thing to go and blow. And, you know, I want to instill in them that, that that's something that is, is very important. So I have multiple LLCs. Most of my properties are LLCs within themselves owned by other LLCs that are owned by other LLCs. Everything that my kids have, it's all in a trust, which is owned by another trust. And that trust is owned by an offshore LLC. Mm. So I'm, I'm very protective um, of what I spend in taxes, of what I get in depreciation, um, so that all of the sacrifice that I'm, that I'm making um, you know, really is something that can't be hurt, can't be rocked. And it's going to be something for them long-term and, and presumably their kids as well. So, you know, they're my motivating factor. I've got a picture of them on my desk. I have a picture of them on every desk at every office that, that I go in and spend time at. Um, and, you know, they're, they're on my lock screen on my phone. So I'm constantly reminding myself of why I do what I do and why I make the sacrifices I make. And, you know, a lot of people talk about work-life balance and, you know, you work a certain number of days, you take a certain number of days off. Um, 
I'm working very hard for the next few years so that I can take the remaining years off. So my work-life balance is a little bit more long view than I'll work Monday through Friday and take Saturday, Sunday off. I'm working Monday through Sunday for the foreseeable future so that then I can take Monday through Sunday off after that. It's all about financial freedom, but not just for me, you know, really, really for my kids. Mm, wow. I love that. And uh, you mentioned Grant Cardone in there. Uh, what is like one thing that stood out not meeting him? We obviously know, Ryan, shout out to the 10X community uh, listening. What, what is like one thing that stuck out to you being face to face with him? Um, just how charismatic he is. You know, when we were actually filming the podcast, it was really unique um, to see um, how he interacts with everybody in the room. Um, Cody was asking him a, a series of questions and Grant wouldn't just deliver that answer to Cody. He was he was literally talking to me. He was talking to the camera guys and to Cody. And, you know, it just he's very engaging. And he makes everybody feel as if they are part of, you know, the the conversation and part of what's happening. And, um, you know, he's, he's just very open and energetic that way. But from a real estate standpoint, um, you know, we do a lot of development. I do a lot of development with Cody. We have uh, 11 new luxury builds where we scraped a lot and built from the ground up here in, in Scottsdale and Arcadia. Um, they're all three, $4 million exits. They're all luxury uh, uh, properties. And, um, you know, so we're developers and, um, you know, he said, he, he literally said, he said, stop developing, man. He said, you just got to find properties and buy and hold them and hold them forever as long as you can and build up that equity. And, you know, going back to, you know, me buying my first house, you know, that resonated with me as he was talking, I was just thinking, man, if I'd have just held on to one or, or, or both of those two properties that I got when I was, when I was young. Um, you know, the amount of, of, of equity and value that, that would be there today is surmountable. Um, and, um, you know, at 19 years old, if you go and spend, you know, 215K, whether that's cash or you're getting a loan or whatever, and if, if I'd have held on to that, um, that one single act, I could have fucked off and done whatever I want after that. But if I still had that, just that one play would have made me a millionaire on its own. Mm. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's all building blocks for the future and you have to look long-term. You can't be like, Oh, I want to make a million dollars this year. And then I'm just going to coast. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's cool, but you know, you really have to have a long-term play. You've got to have your eye on, on, on a long road and say, you know what I, you know, if I make a million dollars this year, that's great, but let's do it every year and let's grow that because I want to get to a hundred million dollars. Grant has a goal of being a trillionaire. Wow. He's a billionaire. But he has a goal of being a trillionaire. Do you know how far off that goal is yeah, and how hard wow. he's got to run? Um, you know, I mean, he, he literally showed me on his phone one of his bank accounts. Um, and, you know, when, <laughs> when you've got that many digits sitting in an account and he goes, well, this is low. He said, because I just moved 50 million out yesterday to go buy a property. But that's where it's at. And I was wow. like, damn, um, <laughs> you know. And so he's, he's, you know, he's, he can deploy capital anywhere because he's constantly getting these properties. They grow in equity. He pulls that out. He buys another one. He's constantly rolling through money. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is not blowing it on toys and, and, and nonsense and just making sure that you're rolling that into equity and cash flow producing assets for the long-term play. Because you really want to be still working and grinding it out, trying to find another deal when you're 65 years old because you've only, you know, just gotten paycheck to paycheck, build wealth. And, and, and afford yourself that freedom to enjoy your golden years. I mean, I partied a lot when I was in my 20s. Um, but, you know, if I can retire by the time I'm, I'm 55, which is really my goal. So I've got 10 years of hard knocks 
that I'm going to be putting in. I'm 44 now. Um, then, you know, I've got from 55 until I'm say 85 of partying. I've got 30 years of having an even better time mm -hmm. than I did when I was in my twenties, stress-free, not trying to figure out life, just kicking back, watching the sunset, having a cocktail and enjoying people. Um, and that's really, you know, that's kind of the end goal and to just, you know, have everything still keep running. So when my kids inherit it, they've got cash flow, they've got assets, um, and it's all set up already for them to just kind of take over and run because hopefully I'll, I'll do a good job of instilling in them how to run it. So. Uh, that's uh, amazing uh, hearing that with the whole Grand Cardone, man. And and I, I definitely want to hear since uh, you've been around Cody, man, uh, he's, he's killing the game. Uh, what are, what are some of the stuff that you've learned from him? Um, you know, a lot of the things that Cody and I work on, um, you know, are a lot of creative finance deals. Um, we have uh, something called the Clever Capital Fund, uh, clevercapitalfund.com. Um, and we've been promoting that. Um, and really what that does is it enables uh, people within the Clever community and outside accredited investors um, be able to park some capital and get in on a lot of the deals that we're utilizing, that, that we're working on. Um, and so I've learned a lot about finance. I've learned a lot about raising capital um, from Cody. Um, and, you know, we have a mastermind called the Avengers Mastermind. And I'm proud to be an Avenger. It's a very uh, tight knit group of high net worth individuals um, that uh, have made the mistakes and made the wins to be ultimately very, very successful. And so, you know, I work very closely with Cole Hatter. Um, and that's how, you know, I work with Pace and Jamil and, and, and all of these, you know, very, um, smart people. And, um, so raising capital has been something that I've learned a lot about, um, building planned community communities, building 400 door apartment complexes. Um, these are all things that were not within my wheelhouse. And, you know, we talked about making that big decision to start working in Phoenix. Um, that was the biggest part of my decision. Um, you know, I made a joke to Cody when he wanted me to come over here and, and, and work with, work with him. I said, well, you better have a pen with a lot of ink. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he did. Um, but it wasn't necessarily about the, the money. It was more to me about, you know, increasing my knowledge, getting myself into more high level projects, more sustainable asset classes and more sustainable wealth building opportunities. And that is, that's, that's exactly what I have received. Um, you know, I, I work along him. We've become great friends. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're out having dinner or we're out having drinks or, you know, we're working in the studio or we're flying different places and doing podcasts. And, um, it's a lot of fun and, you know, I'm thankful that he's, you know, kind of brought me into, to his inner circle with a lot of these folks. And, um, and, uh, it's just rubbing elbows with some of these people that have, have learned, um, over doing very high level transactions. Um, and you know, that's how I've, I've literally parlayed from Avengers being part of Avengers. Um, every time we have meetups three times a year, the last one was in Tampa. Um, the one coming up is in Cancun. Um, and then we've got another one in Temecula, Dan Fleischman's ranch down in Temecula, which is where I have property actually. So we're about uh, golf swing away from one another, uh, down mm -hmm. there. But, and Dan, Dan Fleischman is an amazing marketer an amazing human being, um, and philanthropist and, um, you know, I learn a lot, you know, from working with Dan too. So it's not just learning from Cody. It's, it's really learning from the entire inner circle of this top level group of, of investors and players that, you know, has grown my knowledge base and has given me the confidence to be able to walk into like right now, I have a $62 billion luxury hotel portfolio deal that I'm in the middle of. 
And, mm. you know, I talk about big cookie and big crumbs. I mean, a half a percentage point of that um, equates to, you know, game changing FU money. Yeah. And, you know, there's another one that I'm working on. That's a $20 billion uh, uh, famous uh, uh, casino on the strip in Vegas. Um, and, you know, getting into some of these high level deals, you're dealing with people that do these deals on a daily basis. This is what their this is what their life has become. So being in those conversations, listening to how they communicate, listening to the the verbiage that they utilize and how they view things and, and kind of their whole purview of things um, is is knowledge that you just you can't pay for. And, you know, the day I stop learning today, I'm dead. So, you know, mm. for me, absorption and taking that knowledge and applying it into not just business, but every facet of my life, um, you know, really, really makes the difference. And, I, you know, Elon Musk and Richard Branson both said the same thing at different times. And I don't even know that they communicated on this whatsoever. But they said, if you want to be a billionaire, your top five people should friends should be billionaires. Mm. Um, and that's how you learn. So just surrounding myself with with these folks has, uh, you know, skyrocketed my personal net worth skyrocketed my my knowledge and understanding of how the intricacies and behind the scenes and behind the contracts you know uh mechanisms work on all of these big deals and you know without that knowledge i wouldn't even be able to confidently walk into a room or even get a seat at the table so um you know that's that's really the biggest takeaway from you know working you know day in and day out with cody sperber he's a very very smart high level individual he functions on a whole nother level He's very personable, funny guy. People enjoy him. And, you know, he's got, I think over the last 18 years, something like 37,000 students that he's mentored and enabled them wow. to, to make wealth in, in real estate. So, you know, going to the top of the food chain on, on, on who knows the most and, and can navigate the, the industry the best um, was the biggest reason why I, I decided to contract and, and work with Cody uh, as my top priority. So, yeah. Mm, wow. Woo, fire, fire. And, uh, what is happiness to you? What, what, how do you define happiness and joy? And, you know, um, for me, it's, I'm a big culture guy. I'm a big ecosystem guy. So in an office environment, um, the biggest happiness to me is, is seeing that people enjoy their job. Um, and I'm not saying enjoyment is them playing grab ass and making jokes and, and screwing off in the office all day. I mean, enjoying what they're actually doing. And, you know, oftentimes people, you know, it's in sales, you know, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. Um, so there's ebbs and flows and hills and valleys to, to being on a run and just crushing it. You know, you can, you can be the top performer for three months straight and then go absolutely dry for another two months. Um, but it's, if you enjoy what you do and you enjoy your environment, um, those hills and valleys um, become way less, way less peaked and your downtime uh, when you, when you're on a, on a down, down slope, it's not that bad because you still enjoy what you're doing. So for me, business happiness is making sure that my partners and the people that I'm in business with are happy, making sure that the staff of, of me and all my partners, they're happy and they really enjoy what they do. Um, they're getting rewarded. They're going on field trips. We're doing fun activities and you know, you're, you're not just hoarding all the, the, the revenue for yourself. You're not taking them out to the parking lot to look at your Lamborghini. You're, you're letting them drive it. You're taking them to a raceway and letting them experience Ferraris and Lamborghinis and doing team building activities. So on a business level, for me, it's making sure that everybody is enjoying what they do. If they don't enjoy it, then I'm doing something wrong. Mm. I need to put the pieces together better for them. I am failing them as an owner, as an operator, as a manager. Um, and it's up to me to make sure that not only are they confident in their position, but that they're happy. 
So that's the business side. The personal side for me, um, it I, I'm I'm a people pleaser. So you know, I, I the people that are around me, my friends, you know, I I buy them little gifts and you know things that that are sentimental and you know um, spending time with my kids and you know making sure that that they're happy and satisfied and they know that they're loved and taken care of and they're protected. Um, and, and that confidence is always there, even though that daddy is on the road a lot, my kids know very well how much they're loved and how much they're taken care of. And they know, they know why daddy does what daddy does. It's, it's to, it's for the family. It's, it's for, it's to create, a, a, the best life for them. And, um, you know, they're, they're very happy. Of course they're spoiled and I get them whatever they want. Um, or if, if, since this is, you know, recorded, Santa gets them a lot of things that they like, um, but uh, um, just making sure that my friends, my family, my kids, everybody feels loved, feels happy and and feels like they're accepted. Um, and that's, you know, happiness for me. Um, money comes, money goes. So I try not to dwell on, on anything like that. Luckily, over the past couple of years, I've been able to build a, a solid portfolio and and uh, uh, net wealth that that is, is kind of uh, something that can't be rocked. So those aren't, you know, concerns that I have anymore, but years ago, you know, when you're, when you're working hard to come up with a paycheck to pay your rent um, you know, that's, you know, stress is a killer and, you know, you internalize those things and, you know, you really need to focus on what makes you happy. And if you're happy, then you make better decisions. You, you don't make good decisions when you're stressed or when you're desperate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I've been fortunate enough to to be in a position to make really good decisions uh, over the past few years. And um, because I don't have financial stress, I don't have a lot of these things that, that other people just can't get out from, from underneath or can't get out of their own way, um, you know, to get there. So financial freedom is my goal. Um, I could do that now, um, but I'm not done yet. And, and, you know, I told you earlier, there's been a lot of chapters to my life and I don't know what, what chapters after this are, are coming. There's a gentleman by the name of Robert G. Allen. Uh, he's written, a, uh, I don't know, about 11 New York Times bestsellers. He's been around since the 80s and he's kind of the OG when it comes to wholesaling and uh, real estate investing and getting in uh, with creative terms and seller finance and a lot of these things. And um, I am lucky enough. Uh, to speak on the same stage as Robert. And and a lot of the times I'll speak before him or after him, but we're always kind of sandwiched together. And um, what's funny is, is I have known Robert now since I was 12 years old. So 30 plus years, wow. uh, his daughter was my, his daughter was my very first girlfriend. And um, so, you know, we, we, we reminisce about going to Vegas and staying at the MGM and our families hanging out together. And, um, you know, he knew my dad very well uh, as well. So that was a big shock to, Robert when my dad passed away but um you know it, that's something that I never I never thought of I used to see Robert at G Allen at you know 11 o'clock at night on an infomercial walking past his helicopter and his airplane saying you know buy my VHS tape and I will show you how to succeed in real estate that's crazy. And I always just thought man this guy just is the guy you know and I've told him that he knows that and uh that's um, awesome. but you know, now I'm now, now we speak on the same stage and you know, we share ideas and, and, you know, we follow each other and, and it's just, it's really cool. Mm, wow. Love it. Love it. And, uh, so to kind of get to the next thing, uh, with music, uh, so I'm a musician myself. I do some hip hop and, and you mentioned I earlier, that, like <laughs> you mentioned awesome. earlier, I was, I was listening to some of it. I see your, your speakers back there. You probably have yeah. a studio all set up. Yeah. Yep, dude, yep. I hear you. It's in your blood. <laughs> I and, get it. and it's crazy. Uh, you mentioned just, I, 
I related to real estate a lot because of the long term, right? Because uh, yeah. in my head, I'm like, no matter what numbers I do, I'm going to keep growing that. And it is something you could pass on, you know, after you leave. So uh, what how was that like doing music and, and what kind of music was it? I, I need to do a little more research on that. No, it was all rock. Everything was was pretty heavy rock stuff, you know, melodic, no screaming stuff, but, you know, big walls of guitars and uh, kind of, I guess, I'm maybe similar to like Audio Slave and and, and some of that. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, it's it's still in my blood, but, um, you know, my guitars, most of them are still hanging on the wall, collecting dust with rusty strings. You know, mm -hmm. I just don't get very much time to to take myself away and put myself in a headspace to do the kind of emoting that I needed to do back then, you know, back then I really didn't have anything going on except music um, and relationships and everything that pours itself into a good song. So I had a lot of material back then, um, you know, and, and a lot of music, we talk about hardships and things like that. And, and, and fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, I haven't had, you know, the, the same type of hardships that really can come up with a song. I've written songs about my kids over the past couple of years. So my songwriting, um, there's over 200 songs in, in my catalog and there's about 42 oh, wow. that are published. And, um, they're all about, they're all on the sad side of things, right? Even if they're upbeat and they sound cool or they're a ballad or they're heavy, they're, they're always talking about something that has a dark, dark tint to it. Um, so my music writing and composing, you know, has all turned to this happy place and that's totally different and totally new yeah. you know for me so i you know unfortunately because i keep my schedule so packed i just don't have time to really break myself away i started bringing um i have a a, a travel size martin acoustic guitar uh that i got and i bring that around with me but again it sits in its bag so much that you know it's very it, it's few and far between when i can break it out and actually do something with it but um you know, I'll go to a party or I'll go somewhere and somebody got wind that, you know, my my previous life was all was all music. And I'll walk into the party and they're they're as a goof. They're playing my music and whatever. And you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. That's but, awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's been a totally change, uh, changed life, you know, for me. And and um, not saying that, you know, someday I'm going to be the retired guy doing some sort of, you know, residency at some bar somewhere doing doing some cover tunes. Sure. Let's go. Um, but <laughs> right go. now I'm just so focused on music that, um, even my travel guitar that I bring with me doesn't even get much use. So, um, there's a certain, you know, unfortunate, you know, side to that, but the, the upside is that uh, I'm crushing it at what I am focused on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you well know, music is never guaranteed. And even with the small amount of success that I did have in music, it's very fleeting and it doesn't make you a millionaire. Um, you know, it, it takes a, a long career and the right people involved and, and, you know, keeping the snakes out of your contracts in music that enable you to actually have some sort of money that you can walk away with. And, mm -hmm. you know, so much of the music industry is all flash and, and, and you end up spending that money on, on flash. Now, if you can, you know, put that in a YouTube, you know, channel and make money off of it. Great. Um, if that's your brand that, you know, you wear, you know, flavor, flavor clocks and whatever, then absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, those things are all expensive and, you know, it's very difficult to get ahead in the music industry. The competition is crazy. And with mm -hmm. YouTube and TikTok and all of these mediums now where anybody who has any talent anywhere can be seen. Um, I mean, I was doing this 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Um, so when I opened my mouth and sang and played the guitar, I was the best thing they'd ever heard because they, they never heard anybody else. So it was a much <laughs> different, it was a whole different world back then. Um, 
So um, now it would be extremely difficult and total uphill battle. And, you know, I feel, I, I you know, it's, it's tough for all these musicians out there right now that are, yeah. that are trying to strive and get ahead. Um, and, you know, my heart goes out to them, but you know, you got to make sure you have something that, that you can, you can count on. Now I sound like my yeah. parents, um, <laughs> you know, always telling me, you know, music's great. We'll support you. But if it just saying, if, if we're not, we're not being unsupportive, but if it doesn't work out, what are you going to do? And I was always with my chest puffed up. Well, I don't, my plan B is my plan A. And, you know, I don't have to fall back on anything. I'm going to make this work. And, you know, to a certain extent that worked, but, you know, after a while you kind of grow up and you evolve and you realize that there's, there's things that are more important, family, um, taking care of your kids um, and um, building some sort of structure uh, for your family so that they don't, if, if some God, God forbid, if something happened, you get hit by a bus, um, you know, that they're not completely upside down and, and uh and out in the cold so for me that that's that's a big reason why i, I poured myself into business and and it was an easier thing for me to close the door on being a full-time musician um uh, because i knew that hey i don't want to just be a single guy that's out you know screwing around all the time and playing music and getting drunk you know i'm gonna i'm gonna need to be a respectable human being at some point i'm gonna need to you know pull my big boy pants up and actually do something with my life and um you know that's that's really what motivated me to get into business was just the, 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 the stability of it um, and being able to create something that was lasting uh, music's lasting, right? We can, we can still hear the same recordings from 20 years ago, but the money from it is not, um, mm -hmm. you know? And so everything, you know, everything comes out of style after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unless you're on that golden oldies, you know, uh, album, um, Hell yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's fleeting. So, you know, that's, that's why business is now such a, such a strong point for me. And music is an amazing part of my history, but you know, it doesn't necessarily have a place right now in my life because it's, it's so competitive and it's just such a, mm -hmm. such a hard, hard industry. We'll be right before back. Before we continue, go subscribe to Billy the Kid YouTube. That is Billy, D-H-A-K-I-D. -E. Also, go follow Billy the Kid music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and everywhere else. Music is available. And now, back to this great episode. Let's go. I'm popping out the two though. We're number two folks. Hey. Feel like Kobe though. I'm winning. Need to do more. Oh. My mama sorry. Oh. College was not for me. Street smart, no degree, just like Kobe. Self-made boss with a suit like a mogul. I'm the new era. You see it on my logo. Throughout your story, I keep hearing long-term, like long-term wealth. Basically, uh, what uh, what what does that mean to you? What's uh, long-term wealth? And and uh, I believe patience is definitely a big key to that. Uh, if you could touch a little bit on just patience, like what have you done to to be patient while you're building this? Well, you know, patience is something that you have to really grill into yourself. It's like, it's like trying to break a habit. You know, it's like people that chew their fingernails have to go, nope, I'm, I'm not going to chew my fingernails. Right. Um, same thing with patience. You know, you literally have to gr grind it into yourself. Okay. I'm going to be patient. I have to be patient. Um, so I, I, I told you, I mentioned that I went to Pepperdine uh, University in, in Malibu, California, and um, it's a beautiful campus. It's right in Malibu, right on the water. It's just, it's just gorgeous. And um, when I was a musician, um, I used to go to the same place every night. Um, this uh, bar restaurant right next door to the Troubadour uh, where I used to play is called Dantanis. And I'd go in there and I'd eat and I'd have drinks. And it kind of became like my cheers, right? The, the TV show Cheers. And, um, you know, I knew everybody and everybody knew me. And, and I, 
I was fortunate enough to meet this gentleman by the name of Richard Seaver. And he was in his 80s, three-piece suit, bow tie. Here I am with black nail polish and eyeliner. And, you know, um, but we became friends. And Richard Seaver donated all that land to Pepperdine for it to build its campus there. And um, the undergraduate campus at Pepperdine is, has a big sign that says Seaver College. And that can be confusing, you know, if you don't know, if, if you're not aware of, of the backstory. So um, <clears throat> Pepperdine uh, offered uh, Richard Seaver $150 million to remove his name from the campus. And his response was, I'd rather have the legacy. Mm. And to turn down $150 million, and as he told me this story, I mean, I have goosebumps now, but to wow. tell me that story, it made the hair on my, my arms raise because that's a legacy. That's power. To be able to say, you know what, I would rather have the legacy. And the legacy for what? Is it ego? No, it's really for his kids because now his kids can grow into, um, as adults, they have that notoriety behind them. They have those open doors to them, that philanthropic you know, side to the family that never goes away. And there's a lot of oil wells off the coast of Long Beach in, in California. If, if those of you who haven't seen those, they're little rock piles and an oil well. And that was his company. It was called Hydra Oil. And one day we were out to lunch and he was, we we're sitting at a tall table. And Richard was, this was about uh, three weeks before he passed away. He was 84 and his girlfriend, fiance, who was 41. Uh, and the three of us were sitting at the table. So our feet were kind of swinging and he was kicking his legs back and forth. And I said, what's up, Dick? Why, uh, why are you so happy? And he said, <laughs> and he looked at his girlfriend and she said, tell him. He said, well, I sold my share of hydro oil today. Mm. And I was like, damn. He goes, it was a $900 million day. Wow. And, you know, he had photos in his house of going on safaris and doing all the quintessential stuff that you would expect to see in an uber wealthy, you know, uh, older gentleman's, you know, house, right? The, in the library and leather bound chairs and all the stuff, right? Um, and that, him turning down that $150 million for the legacy, him being able to, to cash out on something that he had built for decades to make almost a billion dollars in one day. Um, I was, I was just literally this was a couple of months before I went and started working for the UFC, which was kind of the tail end of me working in the entertainment industry. And it just stuck with me. And, and that was really what I said, you know what, there's no way that I will ever make $900 million in a day as a musician. There is no way, even if I'm Steven Tyler, that I would give up $150 million for a legacy play. Um, so it was really like, wow, you've got to get into business. You've got to build something and stick with it and be relentless over decades of building to be able to have that kind of long-term wealth and that kind of exit strategy. Um, and, you know, he was a guy that just kept working. He was working up until, you know, a year or so before he passed away because he loved it, not because he had to. So he was free no matter what. He just chose to keep his nose in things and, and keep his finger on the pulse and, and continue to make money and build wealth. And, and um, so he was a, he was a big factor for me as well on, 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 wow. you know, what, what can be achieved if you just stick to it. Mm, love it. And as much as I hate to, uh, we got to wrap it up. You got to go do big things. Uh, uh, Cause I could listen to you forever, man. You, you got me ready to roll. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the show, we ask the same questions to every guest uh, just for wisdom purposes. And the first one that I have is if you were to look back at your younger self, what would be one piece of advice you would give yourself? Uh, see things through for longer, um, you know, spend more time uh, on things. We talked about patience earlier, um, you know, be patient with things. 
Um, you don't always have to take the first offer that comes up. You don't always have to make snap decisions. Um, you know, knee-jerk reactions have no defenses. And if you don't have a defense mechanism up to really protect your, your long-term play, you end up making short-term decisions. And um, again, we don't know what we don't know. So, you know, going back 20 years ago, you know, I didn't know the things I have now. So I wouldn't go back in time and change anything because it's made me who I am today. But I'm able to take the perspective that I have now and recollect all those things that I went through and now apply those lessons and understand them. And it helps me to pivot in my business today. So um, patience is a virtue and it's something that has to be instilled into yourself. And, you know, don't make snap, snap decisions. You've got to see things through. I do a lot of PPC marketing, a lot of Google AdWords and I run, you know, I, I have a team of marketers that work underneath me and they oversee a lot of campaigns. And so many people that pay them to run their campaigns say, well, it's been two weeks. It's not working. Let's make a change. Um, you really have to take time and spend money to have that studyable data to make a good educated decision to steer the mm. ship. So, you know, patience, you know, we talked about it earlier. And, you know, sometimes patience um, is is outside of your comfortability zone. So, you know, making sure that, that, that you know, you, you force yourself to be patient, even if it's uncomfortable, you're going to learn from it. You're going to be able to make better decisions and, and more long-term decisions. Mm, love it. And then, so the million dollar hustle is for those people that are, ba maybe they want to get to that milestone. Right. And, um, I, I, honestly, I always say like, even if it, there's people, a lot of people like 50 K a year could change their life, a hundred K two fifty, oh, Right. Sure. So, uh, if you had to, and so it's going to be a book that I'm going to put out. Uh, and so what do you think are the three habits that, uh, you would say, if you do these three things, you are going to be successful. You're going to be successful in your million dollar hustle. What are the three things that you would say? Um, one is get out of your own way. And that's married to delegation. Okay. So delegates the second biggest point. You've got to be able to delegate things out to other people. You're, you, you, you absolutely cannot run a business efficiently if you're trying to do everything yourself. Um, so, so hire the right people even though that that's a, an added overhead or an over, uh, you know, an additional expense. Um, first of all, you got to make sure you have enough money coming in. Don't, you know, don't, don't rob Peter to pay Paul, as they say. Um, but if you have that income coming in, don't just hoard it and say, well, I'm just doing this all myself. Delegate out. I guarantee you're going to run faster. So, um, um, and, you know, another, you know, big aspect of it is, you know, constantly learn, join seminars, join masterminds, um, pay for coaching. Even if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm making $2 million a year. I could teach other people. There's people out there that are making $20 million a year. Yeah, you can still learn a lot. You have a long way to go. I say the day I stop learning is the day I'm dead. So hopefully that's, you know, in my late 80s or early 90s or however long God blesses me on this planet. But, um, you know, I'm going to learn a lot between now and when I'm 90 years old. And there's nothing that I wouldn't sit down and listen to hear from somebody who's 85 years old because I'm going to learn something from them. I'm going to learn a different perspective from them that's far greater than what I can possibly hope to ascertain in 44 years. So surround yourself, go to masterminds, go to meetups, go to seminars, hire, hire a coach, uh, do consulting calls, um, buy programs. Um, you know, that, that, those are all write-offs, by the way, seminars, masterminds, buying programs. Those are all write-offs for your business. Uh, if you've got everything under an LLC, which I highly suggest everybody protect themselves and get LLCs set up, they're very affordable. You can do it online a matter of minutes, and it takes a very short amount of time to have your EIN open a bank account. Very easy stuff. Um, but, you know, and, and, and build your credit, 
Um, you can get credit. Uh, you can get no interest, $500,000 worth of, of credit lines for your business. Um, I have a guy that does that for me on, on different LLCs that I have. And you can roll that capital over. But constantly be learning. Grow your patience level. Be relentless. Um, and uh, and just surround yourself with people that that enable you to constantly level up in every conversation. Don't be the smartest person in the room. And delegate everything out to people that really can give laser focus to very specific tasks so that you can continue to drive the ship. The captain of the ship is not also battening down the sails. It's not also rowing. The captain of the ship, his job is to be the damn captain and steer. The rowing guy, he does the rowing. The, the, the person who battens down the hatches, that's their job. Wow. It's like at the Tesla factory. You never see the door guy at the Tesla factory take a break to run down and help the tire guy. Because as mm. a boss, the door's not being handled. So do I fire the door guy? But then also the tire got put on wrong because the door guy wasn't trained to do that. So do I fire the door guy for the door job or for the tire job? And then what about the tire guy that didn't do his job? So mm. everybody has a lane. Everybody's got a role. You've got to have SLPs, standard operating procedures for every job, every role, and everybody's got to be focused. So, and then you delegate out people to handle those SLPs and, and those, those, those jobs so that they're laser focused and things get done properly. Wow. Fire. And uh, if you have one book in your head right now, uh, what is the theme and title of it? Um, so I was listening to What to Say um, uh, by real, for real estate agents. Um, I forget the name of the author um, off the top of my head, but basically it's all going, it's a very short book. Um, if you're a reader or a very short listen, if you're like me and you have everything on Audible when you're on a treadmill. Um, but um, uh, it, it basically does a lot of different scenarios and situational things. It's not just preaching to you how to handle different uh, sales you know, scenarios, different conversations, different marketing techniques. It's all situational. And, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, real life experiences and going through things that, that, that they went through. Um, and it's not just for real estate agents. You know, it's uh, it really applies to real estate investing as a whole. Um, and it gives a great perspective. I think there's 13 chapters and, and uh, it's less than an hour. It's about an hour if you take out the index and the glossary and the about me section. Um, but that's it's it's a good one. And I, I suggest for everybody to do that. EOS is another uh, really good uh, uh, book to look at. Um, and and if, uh, I, I if I asked you overall, like what's one book that comes to your head uh, that has changed your life completely, uh, whether it's older or recent? Gosh, now you're making me dig into my Audible library and look through because <laughs> I listen to so many different books, um, you know, and that's uh, that comes back to the whole learning uh, mm -hmm. side of things. Sales EQ um, is a really good book. Um, Never Finished uh, by David Goggins. That's first of all, David Goggins is is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and there's another book by Mark Manson called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, that's that's a good one. Getting to Yes is another good one. Um, but the one that I mentioned earlier is exactly what to say for real estate agents by Phil M. Jones. And, um, um, for those of you out there who have a hard time talking to people, um, or are afraid of getting on the phone or talking to sellers or doing sales, there's a book called talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, um, that I give out to any team that I coach or any team that I work with. Um, and, uh, that's another good one to kind of help people get, you know, into a comfort zone of talking to people and get confident. So, um, but my library is so long of things that I go through and I listen to, and I don't just finish an entire book. I'll listen to part of one. I'll listen to part of another. And because to me, it's, it's, it's really about, you know, getting a wealth of knowledge and, um, you know, learning as much as possible and, and picking up the finer points if possible. Do you listen to it in one X? 
Um, no. Um, <laughs> I figured. I knew it too. Because yeah, <laughs> no, I don't no, either. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I can't. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm one of those people that I'm a cinder block on a gas pedal. I want something done quickly. And, you know, I try to squeeze as much time in as I, mm-hmm. as I possibly can to everything. So for me, it's all about speed and efficiency. So, yeah, no, I've, love it. I've got those on, on a much faster faster replay <laughs> i sure. love it and then uh where, where can people find you yeah so everything's on my website forestblackburn.com there's two r's in forest and blackburn just like it sounds forestblackburn.com um i welcome you to book a consulting call if you feel like you want to scale your business um or if you just want to work out the bugs in your current infrastructure or if you want to build an infrastructure um, I have coaching programs on there as well. Um, I've got one-on-one coaching. I've got group coaching calls that I do. And then I also have a master course uh, through a software called Investor Lift uh, that, that uh, just re- was released. And um, that's something that you can replay at any time. It's got, I think, five different modules and, and a, over a dozen different chapters um, of everything from lead gen and PPC to building your team to scripting to infrastructure uh, management all the way from sea level down to sales management, all of it. So, and that's something that you can buy the course and you can listen to it during the day or watch it over a bag of Cheetos at 2 a.m. if you want to. But um, those are all on my website. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. It's all Forrest Blackburn um, on there, but I'm always available and I'm always here to help and I'm always here to to bounce things off of. Um, I want to be a good sounding board for people. And most of all, I want to be able to instruct people on how to stay away from costly mistakes, be more efficient, um, and, uh, not overspend on things and, and spend smart, um, to be able to grow your business and, and grow your people and your systems and your processes. And there's so many components to it, but uh, so much of it is overlooked by so many. Um, and I'm happy to be a resource for that. So forestblackburn.com and I'm, I'm easy to find. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. And this has been amazing. I can't wait to listen to it myself. Uh, those of you who are listening, wherever you're listening, make sure you guys screenshot and tag him, tag me on social media, and we're going to reshare it. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you truly feel like this was, which uh, honestly, I would say 10. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, you know, I like to say every episode is like a book that you can listen to. And if you apply it and today was no different, guys, those of you who are listening, take action. So with that being said, subscribe and I'll see you guys on the next one. Vamanos. Different levels of thinking and we both, right? But, but, but my mindset is on growth with the future, right? Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts. Or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks? Open your mind, gotta open it to receive. I'm always ten toes for what I believe. Minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts Or or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm I'm always ten toes for what I believe I've heard it all, this and that, and I got an ego Y'all pigeons, I don't flock together like a